phone. Turn with me. We've included more on 40, but I'm only going to read verses 32 through 40 at this time. I want to invite you, as this is God's Word and God is speaking to us, to stand as we hear God speak. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone thinks that he is not behaving properly toward his betrothed, if his passions are strong, and it has to be, let him do as he wishes. Let them marry. It is no sin. But whoever is firmly established in his heart, being under no necessity, but having his desire under control, and has determined this in his heart, to keep her as his betrothed, he will do well. So then, he who marries his betrothed does well, and he who refrains from marriage will do even better. Now, just a side road. Betrothed, we don't use that very much in our language, but think about two singles who are best friends, and yet they're safe friends with one another. Uh, A brother in Christ, a sister in Christ, and they are best friends. That's betrothed. Their, their friendship, is that's in the first place. 39, a wife is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to be married to whom she wishes, only in the Lord. Yet, in my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. In other words, he speaks for God. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Just to clear some things off my podium here, I've got a a couple of resources that have been very, very valuable to me in the preparation for this series. Uh, One is particularly good on marriage. It's called The Mingling of Souls by Matt Chandler. And another is Tim Keller's The Meaning of Marriage. It's my uh, go-to required text for premarital counseling. But just for the chapter on singleness, which I have drawn heavily from as a resource this week, um, it's worth the price of the book. And we have a book table in the rear that have these materials as well as others that we would encourage you to consider to use as a resource for further reading. But we're starting a series today that's going to go over counting today the next seven weeks. And we're going to be looking at where each one of us in our relational status fit into the family. The family being not so much the nuclear family, but the family of God. 
brothers, sisters, aunts and uncles, fathers and mothers, in relationship to Christ, with Christ the head of the household, that we are in relation to one another as family members. And there is no inferior position, and there is no superior position. We all fit into this family. I fit in this family. You fit into this family. And we do ill if we elevate one position as fitting and another position as not. Outside of the family, as it were. A second-class citizen or an orphan without a family. And so, this week as we begin this series, I want to encourage you to, um, to learn not only about your position and your role, but come to appreciate and see avenues for encouragement, and ministry and support for other roles. The roles are, I am single. We're going to talk about that from this text this morning. Paul, being single, writes about the value and the benefits of the status of singleness. It's not inferior to marriage. It's not superior to marriage. It's complementary. Next week, we're going to talk about I am married. And I'm taking it a little bit out of the order because Danny's going to be preaching on uh, May the 3rd, and I'm enlisting Danny Clark to preach on I am dating. But we're going to go I am single, I am married, I am dating, I am a parent, so married with children. Then we're going to be looking at I am separated or divorced. Then we're going to look at I am widowed. And finally, I thought it would be fun to look to the future and say, what will all of our status be in the new heaven and the new earth? What will my relational status be there? Will I be single in heaven? Will I be married in heaven? Will I be widowed in heaven, divorced? What about relationships in heaven? So this morning, without further ado, I want to jump right into this, and I want to show you three things that face a single. And again, if you are not single this morning, please, I want you to listen even more than I want our singles that we have as a regular part of the Two River families to listen. Because you have something to offer as a family member that they most need. And if you find that the only relationships that you spend, if you're married or with other married couples, if you find that you, you don't have any relationships with the singles in our church family, then you are contributing to a problem. You're not the very solution, the very thing that God has designed to minister for them to fit in the family. Um, I want to show you, first of all, I want to show you the bad news. Then I want to show you how we make marriage to be an idol and how singles face that idol. And then lastly, I want to leave, I want to leave you with some really good news. But first, if you'll look at the scripture here, the Apostle Paul, writing as a single man, says in verse 32, he says, I want you to be free from anxieties. In verse 35, he says, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order. 
and to secure your undivided devotion. I, um, I went this last week, as is my custom, to Barnes & Noble, and I thought, you know, what, what's the literature there on singleness? And they have a whole section at Barnes & Noble. They've got a header that, that is called Relationships. And so they've got the header, Relationships, with a big arrow that point to rack after rack after rack of books on relationship. And they've got an index there. There you will find books on the single life, marriage and, re- and partnership, relationship challenges, lovemaking, sexuality, LGBT, divorce, and then finally, death and grieving. And while I was there, I looked and I found titles such as How to Find and Understand a Man. So How to Find a Man and Understand a Man. There must have been about ten books there. Uh, about another ten or so books, How to Find and Understand a Woman. So obviously we're having a hard time finding each other. Um, they needed to go to the next book, perhaps, that was called The Flirting Bible. The Flirting Bible. Um, there was another one, Map My Heart, Your Love Life in Doodles. That was a fun read. It took me about five minutes. It was just all pictures. Um, there were books entitled, Are You the One for Me? And on that shelf, you would find books like The One, The Right One, Soulmates for Life. Why You Are Not Married, dot, 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 yet. Now, I'm, I'm thinking if I'm single, and it's been over 33 years since I've been single, and I was only single for after graduating from college, about a gnat's life. Um, and so I would think if I was single again, standing there, and I read a title, Why You Are Not Married, yet with that expectation that I've got to, you know, you're not married now, but you're, you're going to be. You're supposed to be. You should be. I began to think that that was communicating bad news uh, to me. Dating disasters from the trenches. It would tell me to be afraid. Watch out. The truth about men. The truth about women. Here you go. I suck at relationships, so you don't have to. Uh, they'll probably sell out of that one. Why men don't listen and why women cannot read maps. That's, uh, I know, already you're going to run out one. And then finally, I'm getting to the end of the shelf after the affair. And then, you know, there was a flirting Bible. Guess what? There's the breakup Bible. I did a percentage, and I just did an estimate because there's a whole rack then of books and it has everything to do with lovemaking and sex and marriage. 20% of the books were how to find another person, how to find a mate, how to find a date, how to find a significant person, how to find another person. 50% of the books, 50% of the books were how to have sex with another person. 10% of the books were how to keep another person. Once you found her, how do you keep her? Once you found him, how do you keep him? And then 20%, you know where I'm going? 20% how to get rid 
of the other person. Now that's 100%. I don't know, but there were probably over 500 books, and there was one book on being single. One book. And that book was The Art of Being Satisfied, Fulfilled, and Independent as a Single. Satisfied, fulfilled, and independent. I would question the independent because we're all put into the family. And the family has a vital role, an essential role for me. But I have an essential role to play in that family. Whether I'm single, married, widowed, divorced, whether I am celebrating just now dating someone or whether I am mourning someone that has just passed away. I need the family. Put me in the family. Keep me in the family. But there is a subtle communication, and I think not so subtle at times, if we would just be aware, to single that you are outside of the family. You're independent and alone And therefore, you certainly cannot be fulfilled or satisfied. The word would be complete. The the movies even do this. Famously, Jerry Maguire, uh, toward the end of the movie, he is uh, with Renee Zellweger. They're bust. They've split up. And he comes to interrupt a party where she is with her girlfriends and they are consoling her. They become family again to her. They're they're her support. And he comes in and he says, I've come to realize something. Today I made the biggest business deal of my life. And everybody patted me on the back and they applauded me and they celebrated. It It was a coup. It was great. But it was, it was so sad. It was like nothing happened because you weren't there. And I've come to realize I need you there because you, can you fill in the blank, complete me. And then he stops. And in the silence, she doesn't say anything. She begins to well up. I do complete him. I feel, I I make him, I fulfill him. And he starts to say something else, and he begins to talk. She's finally saying wisely to a guy, you know, speaking into silence uh, with a crying woman. Uh, She finally says, shut up, shut up, shut up. You had me at hello. Well, it's a very romantic movie. It's a cute movie. But that is bad news. There is a way that we communicate to singles that they're not complete unless they're in marriage that they're not complete unless they're in a dating relationship. To be single and to not have a date on a Friday or Saturday night is not whole. It's not complete. Here's what what it sounds like on our end. Here are some of the things that, that we say. And what we're communicating is that if you're single, you're incomplete, and it's because something is wrong. And what is wrong is something with you. As soon as you are satisfied with God alone, He'll bring somebody into your life. 
Now, some of these should step on our toes. You're too picky and you're not perfect yourself. In other words, you're looking for a 10 and you're not a 10, so you need to lower your standards. So singles are made to feel that you've got to compromise. You've got to look for something that you're willing to settle for less. You can commit wholeheartedly to ministry. Now, I've said this, and it is true. We do see, we do see that the widows, particularly the younger widows, during the culture that Paul was writing in, became many of them became the first deaconesses. They were huge servants in the community. They were not only simply provided for with the food rations, but they provided for others. So that is true. But the idea that we're communicating is almost to say, you work harder in ministry. You can, you can take on more responsibilities and be more burdened because you're single. So God finds that as your purpose by burdening you with more responsibility. You're being prepared by the Lord for the one prepared for you. In other words, you've been single for a long time and people trying to comfort you really give you bad news and saying, you know what, there's somebody out there being prepared for you and you're being prepared for the Lord, you're just half-baked right now. You're not ready yet. You see how we try to encourage, we try to encourage our single brothers and sisters, but what we're doing is many times we're just giving them more Bad news. I wish Renee Zellweger had replied like this. I wish Renee Zellweger had looked him in the eye and said, I don't think that they're prerequisites for happiness. Now she said this, she just didn't say it in the movie. I don't feel like I won't have happiness in my life unless I find a mate or unless I have a family. If I'm blessed with those things, then great but I don't really have a list of things that I require in order to feel complete. Singles hear this bad news, not only from the movies, not only from the Barnes and Noble bookshelf, but they can hear it from us, their brothers and sisters who are not single. And it can be subtle or it can be very clear that they are not complete unless they're in a dating situation or unless they're married. And that smells like smoke. It is a diabolical, depressing formula for misery to feel particularly if Christian brothers and sisters communicate that to you as a single because as if we're wrapping God around that. Paul does the opposite. He says singleness can be a place where there's less anxiety in the stressful world that we live in now. It can actually be a very, very good thing from the Lord and a better place where happiness reigns rather than the anxiety and the stresses and the responsibilities the clashes and the, the fitting together of two to become one. 
He says, God does not look at singleness as a bad thing, but a very, very good thing. Now, part of the energy behind this, and, and by the way, I've got, a, I've got another way that I think that we communicate it. And I've noticed that I've done this with my own kids. You know, the only credentials that I have this morning are, are that I've got four single kids. I mean, Wendy and I sometimes look at each other across the dinner table and we're like, is our marriage so screwed up that our kids said we don't want anything to do with marriage? Or is it more likely that our four kids have learned to say we don't have to be married? We don't have to have marriage to complete us. We're, we're a complete person as it is. And if we date with someone, then we date someone. If we get engaged, we get engaged. But we're not second-class citizens. And so I've noticed that I'm trying to curb myself as an eager parent when I see my kids to not ask that bad news question. Are you seeing anybody now? Are you dating anybody now? What's behind that? Behind that is, is that you're not okay enough just being single. And I've got a reply. I've been thinking all week about if I were single and somebody kept badgering me and, and, and I would go to see my parents or friends and say, oh, so are you seeing anybody now? Are you, are you dating anybody now? My reply would be this. Who do you have in mind? You have somebody in mind? Uh, well, no, 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 no. Oh, well, good, because I'm okay. Thank you. The, the energy that comes behind this bad news and that drives it is when we make marriage to be an idol. An idol, an idol is something that is very, very good, but we elevate it to an ultimate place. When marriage, marriage is to be held in honor. And if you're single, don't despise marriage. You know, don't put it in a lower place. But don't put it in a high place as if I've got to have that for life. Marriage is a good thing. It's not inferior to singleness. It's not superior to singleness. It's complementary. Marriage will not, marriage will not complete you through another person. It's God, it's God who completes us. It's God who transforms us and molds us and crafts us and he's restoring us to be the men and women of his own design. It's not just the institution of marriage. Now, he certainly can use marriage. But it's not the only means that he has relationally because we're in his family to transform us and restore us to be the men and women that he would have us to be. But if we make marriage the ultimate thing, if it's something that we say, I've, I've got to be married to give me life, then when we carry that, that we, that we carry that, that idol into marriage, then that marriage is going to face some very unhealthy, out-of-order days because that's not what marriage is designed to do. The Lord is designed to give you life. The relationship with intimacy with Jesus Christ is designed to fulfill me completely, give me life. My devotions to Him, my love life with Him, that drives me, that transforms me. 
not marriage as an institution alone in and of itself. And so I want to encourage you, if you're a single, I want to encourage you if you're married, to demote, to demote marriage on your list. Bring it down into its proper perspective. Bring it down. We'll talk next week about marriage. But you know, there are a lot of people in marriage that they make an idol, idol out of single, singleness. They think, wow, if I were only single, then I could da-da-da. If I were single again, then oh, what my life would be. But as a single, we want to be mindful that we don't make a marriage, we don't make marriage into an idol, but I'm also speaking to the church family. Don't hold out marriage as the design for a single's life because it's not necessarily so. Paul talks in language that can be rather mystical. He says, if you desire, it's okay. If you don't have the desire, that's okay too. It's fine. It's okay to be married, but it's more than okay to not be married. Now let me give you some good news. In verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 7, which I didn't print in your outline, but we have it in a slide, Paul says to the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Circle that word good. That word good is kalos. And kalos is different from the other appearances of good. Many times when good appears in the New Testament, it means we, he did good to someone. We're called as Christians to do good even to our enemies. That's a benevolent act. It's a gesture. But that's not what this word means. In other words, it doesn't mean that it's a great kindness of God to call me to be single. It doesn't mean that it's a gesture necessarily of complete goodwill. What it means is it's a good and solid thing. It is a complete thing. The definition is something that is constitutionally strong, something that is constitutionally solid, something that expresses beauty as a harmonious completeness that needs no other person or thing to complete it. In other words, Paul is saying to the bad news, this good news, if you are single, you are complete in the Lord. You are complete. Don't buy into the bad news that you need another person or you need other circumstances in your life to complete you. That's where Paul comes over in verse 35 and he says, I say this for your own benefit. Be the beneficiary. Not to lay any restraint upon you, not to hold you back, but to let you go. Not to condemn you, but to lift you up. To promote good order, harmony, 
completeness and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. And notice in verse 8 that there's two that he singles out. Okay? Now he has mentioned males in here, so this is, this is not just a you know, single so many times. And again, it gets back to the bad news. When I say, oh, I've got a single friend, most of the time you'll think, oh, well, you're talking about females. No, Paul's talking to females and males. And he's calling them, and he's calling singles to recognize, put down the bad news by recognizing that it's really, really good news. When he says in verse 8 that it's good, he's talking to the unmarried. So think about younger, unmarried female and males. And then he's talking to widows who are single again. And what he's doing is he's saying Christianity is different. Only in Christianity do we have a founder of our faith, Jesus Christ, who was a single man. And he was a perfect man. He was perfectly complete in his singleness. He's still single. Paul writes and he says, I'm complete in Christ and I'm single. It's a good thing. And in Christianity, we value singles. Whereas, even in Judaism, and certainly the surrounding culture, you were devalued if you were single. Because you needed to get out there and get a wife and start producing kids. That will be your future workforce. That will, that will create, uh, you know, provide your estate. If a woman did not marry and have children, something, you know, her old, who would care for her in her old age? You were not seen as complete, but Christianity comes along and says, no, you're in the family. You are complete. And it is not necessary for the young singles, it is not necessarily, they, they are not only given permission to remain single, but we're actually saying, that's a very blessed, happy place to be. And widows, we're not going to burden you, if you're single again, to go out and get married because your family will take care of you. Because if you were a widow, you're going to need to get married again as soon as you can in order to provide for yourself. Who's going to provide for me in my old age if I'm single or if I'm single again? The family. The family. The family. The community. Finally, if you'll look over to verse 40. In my judgment, she is happier if she remains as she is. And I think that I, too, have the Spirit of God. He doesn't say simply happy, but he's carrying his theme on forward. And he begins by saying, if you're single, that's a good thing. That's a complete place to be. And guess what? He goes forward and he says, around verse 35, he says, there are benefits to this. There's a, a level of intimacy that you could have with the Lord free of distractions. Okay? 
And now he's saying, in fact, I believe, and he's speaking very pastorally here. He's saying, if you're single or single again, I want you in that happy place. Now, yes, God calls many single and leads them to be to date, to be engaged, and lead on to marriage. And that's a good thing, too. That's not inferior, but it's definitely not superior. It's a happy place to be. It's a place, the term there is the same term that is used in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, blessed. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, verse 8. He says, blessed is he or she. Blessed is he or she who is pure of heart, that is, undivided in their heart, undistracted in their heart. For they shall see God. And he's saying, I would that you would be there. He's Paul saying, I would that you would be like me. Because the goal, the goal for humanity is not marriage or having children or reproducing. The goal of humanity is to be reconnected and have intimacy with our Maker through His Son Christ. With the abiding presence, the very real presence of the Holy Spirit. That's the family that I'm a member of. And that's the goal of humanity, is intimacy with Him. And he's saying, it's actually a very happy place to be. And those who are some of the greatest candidates for that kind of experience and happiness are those without any distractions of other relationships, and that is singles. I want to as we prepare to come to this table, I want to personally repent and say that I'm sorry to many of you as singles. I want to honor what God is doing in your life. I want to see you now not as a, a, a cause to be cured, but as someone that is already complete. And if God changes your situation as he can he can change our all he can change all of our relational statuses then fine you'll be the first to know <laughs> but i don't know and so i want to value and i want to apologize for anything that i've ever said that is seemingly at two rivers valued family or marriage or children over singles i'm sorry and can i have a word for young particularly young, but single males at Two Rivers. I'm looking to you to be men, not little boys. I'm looking for you to sacrifice and to serve, particularly female singles, not serve yourself. And one of the first things that you need to do is you need to ask God, to help you in all of your relationships see that God is giving you a role to be a safe brother. Be safe. Be safe. Be a brother. And be safe. It's going to take strength to do that. And females, I'm going to ask if you're young and you're single, out of your 
intimacy with Christ, I'm going to ask that you don't, to young males in community groups, in friendship, in the conversations that we have, don't manipulate. And call them to be safe too. Call them to man up where they can. And minister. Minister using your own voice for your own role in the family as well. Church, married, particularly if you're a married man or a married woman, what is your relationship to the singles at Two Rivers and in your world? Is there a relationship at all? If there's not, what needs to change so that we can offer encouragement? You know, somebody shouldn't have to get married in order to get a toilet fixed at their house. Somebody shouldn't have to get married in order to go out to dinner with a group of people or a safe couple in this church or a safe married man to young men. Married women with children, you offer an invaluable companionship to our young unmarried women. They crave that. They want that. Most of us as men, Many of us as men have not had the best relationship with our fathers. And in our single maleness, we could use mentors and guides, brothers to come alongside of us. What would two rivers look like if God led us to be that kind of family? That values singleness, includes them in our family with that great value, ministers to them, and are ministered to by them. That's what Paul saw. And Paul said, that is complete. That is a good place to be. In that church. In that family. To the praise of our God. Let's pray. Father, prepare our hearts now, and that is to plant within us hunger. Hunger for this table. Lord, we ask for forgiveness where we have either judged ourselves because of our singleness or we've judged others as being less than whole in their singleness. Well, we also ask, Father, that you would show us opportunities that we could be of great encouragement to our singles at Two Rivers, our singles in our family, our singles in this community, our singles in the workplace and in the school. Father, how can we serve them as you would serve them. Father, we thank you that you have, through your word, have called this good. And we're thankful for a family that you've placed us in. We're thankful for this community here. And now we celebrate a feast as we dine together and you at the head of the table to feed us. And you feed us with a relationship with you. And this, to this end, we pray that you open the eyes of our heart to see it, to feast and to experience, and to be stronger on the other side of this table. Through your love, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite our men to come forward now as they prepare to serve us.